Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. Valley Point Church is a faith community located in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania. Our mission is pointing people to real relationships and real significance. This week continues our series, The Story. Enjoy and thanks for listening. Okay, here we are down to the last two weeks of the story. And I really want to encourage you to make a strong effort to be here next week as we put a bow on this 31-week series. And I just want to say I am so proud of our church for taking these 31 weeks by the time that we're all done here to chronologically walk through Scripture and to look at key events and key people and to learn different things from their lives. We wrap all of this up next week, and again, I want to encourage you to be here. Now, I know all of you are asking, what happens after that? Because we haven't had to worry about what comes next for a long time. So you're asking that question, right? What is coming next? So let me take a few moments just to talk to you about what happens after the story. So on Sunday, May 22nd, we're going to wrap all of this up. That's next week. And then on May 29th, we're going to have a really unique kind of day here at Valley Point. During the 9.15 a.m. gathering, which is right now, instead of being in here and singing and teaching and doing what we normally do, we're going to actually get busy as a church. And we're going to use that hour there or an hour and a half to pack 10,000 meals with an organization called Stop Hunger Now. And these meals go out to help the impoverished around the world. And this is a very family-friendly event. I would encourage you to come and to be ready at 9.15 to just do a little bit of work on that Sunday. And then at 11 o'clock, we are going to have an international children's choir with us that day. And they're going to come in here and sing and dance and put on a wonderful concert. And our hearts will be warmed with what they share with us. Now, I'm asking you to come two hours on that Sunday. You don't don't normally have to do that, but you have Monday off, right? So come two hours, help us as a church to be a part of helping the impoverished around the world by packing these meals, and then we're going to have a great time with this concert. All right, does that make sense? That's what's happening on May 29th. And then... On Sunday, June the 5th, we begin a new three-week series called Me Too. And I'm really excited about this series because we're going to be looking at emotions and thoughts that probably all of us share together, where we would be able to say, yeah, me too, that's how I feel or that's how I think. And so we're going to take three weeks and just roll out some very practical thoughts dive into scripture, and give us some help on how we can respond to that. So that's going to happen on June the 5th. Ben already talked to you about that being our baptism day as well. So if you have trusted in Jesus alone to save you and you've never been baptized, I would encourage you to sign up on the connection card, or you can also sign up at valleypointchurch.com. So that's what's coming on June 5th, a brand new series, and we've got a great run in front of us. Okay, let's dive into today. Can we do that? Here's our upper story statement, and that is, God can use my story to help others. 
God can use my story and my life and all of the stuff that's there to actually help others. And if anything, during our time walking through these 31 weeks of looking at key events and key people in Scripture, this is something that I want everybody to know and to understand, that no matter who you are and no matter what kind of life that you have lived, whatever stuff is there, that God can... And beyond his ability to do this, he actually desires to use my story to impact the hearts and the lives of others. And I hope everybody gets this and understands it, that you would just walk away from this whole experience knowing, okay, this is good news for me. God can and will use my story. Last week, I introduced Paul to you. He is arguably one of the greatest influencers in the early church. And there are some unique things about Paul. After his dramatic conversion, where he trusts in Jesus alone to save him, he then goes out over approximately the next eight to ten years of his life, and he embarks on three different missionary journeys. And his desire was to take the gospel. The gospel is the good news that Jesus came, he lived, he died, and he rose again, paying the price for my sin. And I can trust in him alone and be assured of a home in heaven. That's the gospel. It's the good news. Well, Paul was tasked. He was given the assignment to take this gospel message and to move it out from Jerusalem, which is where it was centered at the time of Paul's conversion, and to begin to take that to the ends of the earth. And so Paul embarks on these different missionary journeys, and that's exactly what he does. Here's what else we know about Paul. He wrote approximately half of the New Testament. And on the screen, you can look at the different letters that he wrote. He wrote letters to different churches, and he also wrote some letters to individuals. He was a prolific author, and we're going to look at some of the words that he wrote in letters today, and we all get the opportunity to benefit from this. That's Paul. Great guy, apostle, leader, motivator, author, encourager, that's Paul. He's just really a stand-up guy. And I want to take some time today to talk about the second half of his life. That's what we're going to do. But before we continue thinking about Paul and the second part of his life, there's somebody else that we need to talk about first. And so I want you to park Paul for just a moment, all right? So we have Paul, author, writer, teacher, leader, missionary guy, all-around stand-up individual. Let's just kind of park Paul over here for a moment because there's another person we need to talk about who also lived during this time. It was the Roman emperor, the ruler of the known world, and his name was Nero. Now, this is probably what Nero looked like. This is actually a carved image of him that sits in some museum in some part of the world. Nero, again, ruling the Roman Empire. Now, as I viewed this picture, because often it's just kind of interesting to know what people look like, isn't it? You you put a face to the name, and I'm going to describe Paul to you in just a moment as well. But as I looked at Nero, I often thought that these individuals had beards back in the day, and it's clear that Nero doesn't. So I took Austin's beard, our worship leader, and put it on Nero, and perhaps this is what he should have looked like if he was able to grow that kind of beard, all right? So that's Nero, and that's probably a little bit of what he looked like. 
Now, let me share some facts and some information with you about Nero because I think it's helpful for us to know this. He became emperor of Rome when he was about 17 years of age in AD 54. So he's in charge. He is ruling the greatest empire in the world at a very young age, and perhaps that's why he didn't have a beard. Here's a fun fact. His original name was Lucius Domitius Ahenobarbus. Great name, right? And when he was adopted by his uncle, who was the emperor at the time, I think they said, you know, we're not going to bother with that name. Nobody could actually say that, so let's just go with Nero. How about that? So they changed his name. He did begin the process of exhibiting the character of a very cruel tyrant. This is what we know about Nero. We also know that he exhibited the character of a heathen debauchee. It's kind of a fun word, isn't it? Well, debauchee describes a person given to excessive indulgence in sensual pleasures. And Nero had a history of that. He was kind of a creepy individual. Well, here's what else we know about him. It involves the date, 64 AD, approximately the month of May. Now, why is that an important date? Well, here's what happened in May of 64 AD. There was a great fire in Rome that destroyed a great portion of the city. Many historians have attributed that fire to Nero himself, that he just started it as a way to entertain himself. Like, let's just burn the city, and this will be a lot of fun, and we can enjoy watching what happens here. Well, as pressure was put on him as the one who started this, he needed to deflect what was coming his way, and so he looked for someone else to blame. And who better to blame than those Christians, right? Those peace-loving followers of Jesus. Let's blame them for this great fire that just burned out of control and damaged a major part of the city. Well, as a result of that shifting of blame, a great wave of persecution broke out against the church, and it was just a horrible thing. Here's what else we know about Nero, just so that you have an idea of his character. He is reported to have murdered his mother and his wife, Octavia, in order to marry somebody else. Like He just got a little upset with them. that They didn't want him to do that, and so he murdered them married someone else, and then he got a little tired of her and eventually murdered her in time as well. What else? Well, Nero was the emperor before whom Paul was brought on one of his imprisonments in Rome. And so it is very likely that there was some interaction between Nero and Paul as Paul neared the end of his life. So that's Nero. Paul and Nero, these are our two characters that we're dealing with. Now, here's the deal. Nero is making headlines for probably all the wrong reasons, but he's powerful, he's young, and he's wealthy. And then there's Paul, all right? So we pause Paul for a few moments. Let's pick him back up and think about the Apostle Paul. Paul, not really making headlines Even though he's traveling and he's sharing the good news of Jesus, he's really not making headlines, and he's not young, and he's not rich, and he's not very powerful in the eyes 
of the world. As a matter of fact, at this time, Paul is beginning to age, and he's having some physical challenges. Again, I think it's kind of interesting to wonder or perhaps to speculate a bit about how people may have looked back in the day. And I came across one author, one historian, who said, Paul, he was a man little of stature, thin-haired upon the head, crooked in the legs, with eyebrows joining, and nose somewhat hooked. (laughs) Right? Like, Paul is not a pretty person. He's not going to win People's Magazine Sexiest Man of the Year. I mean, that is just not going to happen for him. And if you would have asked anybody at this particular time, who is going to have the most impact on the world years from now? Is it going to be Nero, the Roman emperor, the ruler of the most powerful nation in the world at this time? Or is it going to be this bow-legged individual who is having all kinds of issues named Paul? Well, I think we all know that most people are probably going to choose Nero just because of his political power. The Apostle Paul even describes his life this way. And if you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And then I'm also going to spend some time in 2 Timothy. So these are two different letters that Paul wrote. 2 Corinthians was written to a church, and 2 Timothy was written to one of his mentees by the name of Timothy. And so we'll kind of look at this, but if you investigate 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, here's Paul describing his life. So again, we're thinking about Nero, young, powerful, wealthy. He has a position. People are looking to him. People are probably frightened of him. And then we have the Apostle Paul. He's wandering around telling people about the gospel. So here's what Paul says about his life. Verse 24. Five different times. The Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Yet what we know about the life of Paul is that he was a spokesman for the grace of God. Grace. This is one of his most favorite words. And we find it all over his different letters that this grace of God is something that should be chased. But here's what I want to know, and maybe this is something that you want to know too. How does a person who is beaten and left for dead and often without clothing and hungry and shipwrecked, how does someone who has such an awful life, when you think about that, keep looking to Jesus and claiming to love him? How does that happen? Because I would like to think that I would do the same thing. 
But I got to be honest with you, my life is really easy in comparison to Paul. I mean, let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. What do we find here? Well, he was whipped over and over again. Can you imagine? He faced danger as a result of talking about Jesus. I get to talk about Jesus in a very comfortable, beautiful environment. Most of the time you smile, most of the time. And you applaud occasionally, and this is a wonderful thing. We enjoy learning about Jesus together. He taught about Jesus and was almost beat to death for it, something that I'll never experience. He was shipwrecked. He was hungry. He was thirsty. Come on, most of us will never experience anything close to this. And so if Paul could endure all of these things, shouldn't I Shouldn't we be willing to do the same? Answer, yes, we should be willing to do the same. Let me ask you this question, though, because often we allow stuff and circumstances and what I'll call storms today to kind of crowd into our life and keep us from focusing and giving our attention and our love for following Jesus. We just get consumed with all the stuff around us. So let me ask you this. Do you have a storm in your life right now? Or maybe you're coming out of one. Or maybe you can see the dark clouds billowing in and you know, oh, this is going to be a rough stretch in front of me and I just don't know if I'm up for this. So do you see the clouds billowing in or are you in the middle of a life storm right now? Or are you potentially walking out of one? What storm are you potentially facing right now? Is it a relational storm? Perhaps financial or personal? Maybe a divorce or hatred of some kind? Or an addiction or lust or pornography or envy or depression or disease or something at work? What is your storm that you're facing right now? I want you to name it. All right? Think about it. Get it in your head right now. What is that storm? Name it. Because one of the things we know about Paul is that he had this incredible ability in the middle of all of these storms. And he faced literal storms as well as figurative storms. He had all kinds of things coming at him. One of the things we know about Paul is that while he was even in prison, he wrote these different letters to individuals. And we're going to look at one that he wrote to his mentee named Timothy, where he said, here's how I did it. Here's how I was able to survive all these different storms in my life. And yes, I was beaten and shipwrecked and left for dead, and my own people rejected me as well as others. I didn't have clothing sometimes. I was often left out and hungry, but yet I'm keeping my eyes focused on Jesus in the middle of all of these storms, and here's how I have been able to do that. And so with your Bible, I want you to find 2 Timothy chapter 1, and I want to roll out for you right now three storm survivor tips. All right, so if you've got your pen, get your note section ready there. I want you to write these things down because if a storm is coming or if you're in the middle of one right now or if you're exiting one, I think this will all be very helpful for you. So here's what we discover about Paul. He's writing to Timothy and he says in chapter 1, verse 8 of 2 Timothy, never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord 
And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace. There's Paul's big word there that we find in all of his letters. He did this before the beginning of time to show us his grace through who? Through who, church? Christ Jesus. Now, does this just scream upper story or what? I remember we've been saying all along, God has a desperate desire to reach out and rescue what he loves the most. And from page one to the very last page of scripture, we find God enacting this plan. And Paul recognizes that. And there's something so unique about his ability here to remember, I have been saved by Christ. And I'm not going to forget that no matter what happens around me. So here's storm survivor tip number one. It is anchor your life to a hope out of this world. Anchor your life to a hope out of this world. See, Paul said, I know all these storms are happening and I'm suffering. I'm in prison, yet God is giving me the strength to endure. And I will not forget that he is the one who saved me. And I think Paul often went back to that day on that road to Damascus. We talked about this last week where he encountered Jesus and turned his life over to him. And I think Paul was so grateful that the trajectory of his life was completely changed on that day. And he never forgot about the fact that God has saved me. And even though all of this junk is happening around me and I'm suffering and I'm hurting, I'm not going to forget the fact that Jesus saved me. And I think often we've got to go back and remind ourselves about the day, the moment where I trusted in Jesus alone to save me and allow that to drive me through every storm in life. We can't forget about the fact that God has done something for us that we never could have done on our own, and that is to pay for our redemption, to pay the price for our sin. Paul never lost sight of his hope coming from something different than his circumstances. See, and this is our challenge, isn't it? I know it's certainly my challenge. That you get focused on all the stuff around you and your eyes go down instead of looking up and remembering that I have been saved and with God I can walk through this. It may not be perfect and it may not be beautiful, but I will not forget the fact that I'm saved. And again, Paul anchored his hope, not in his circumstances, but in something out of this world. And I think that's something we've all got to do. Verse 11. Here's the second principle. And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of this good news. That is why I am suffering here in prison. But I am not ashamed of it. For I know the one in whom I trust. That is an incredible line. Like here he is, rotting away in prison, and yet he's still saying, this is what I know. I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Here's storm survivor tip number two, and that is life has a way of taking crazy turns, doesn't it? 
We know this. We understand this. Life doesn't always go according to plan. So trust God in the turns, even when it is hard to see. And by the way, it's always hard to see in turns, isn't it? So we've got to embrace this and live it up. The turns are challenging, and they do come, and I've got to trust God in the turns even when I cannot see what is happening. And we can do that based on what Paul says here. I know the one in whom I trust. Again, he anchored his life to a hope out of this world, and because of that, he was able to trust God in all of the turns. Here's what we know about Paul. His life ended well. It did. Again, he started out as someone who was anti-God and he was against Christ and he was on a mission to terrorize the early church and to stop the spread of the gospel. And then he met Christ on the road to Damascus. His life was dramatically changed and the very one whose life mission was to stop the gospel became the greatest carrier of it. Really big change in his life and his life ended well. Probably didn't start out so well. But his life certainly ended well. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly how Paul died. But there are many different traditions, according to history, of how this happened. Probably the most commonly accepted one comes from the writings of Eusebius. He is an early church historian. And according to Eusebius, he states that Paul was beheaded by the edict of Nero or perhaps one of his subordinates. And this all would have happened shortly after the great fire in Rome. So, what we know is that Paul's life started out terrorizing the gospel. He turns to share it, and eventually it cost him his very life. Many biblical scholars believe that 2 Timothy is the last letter that Paul wrote before his execution. And if that's the case, and I believe it is, then what we're reading here in 2 Timothy are his final words to Timothy and to us, the church. And so I love what we read in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and this is where we pick up storm survivor tip number 3. Here's what Paul says. As for me, Timothy, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. He knew something was happening. And here's what I've done. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained, what's the word church? Faithful. Yeah, here's what I've done. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. Here's tip number three. And that is strive for faithfulness not perfection. And there is a difference there. Sometimes we strive for perfection and we're always going to mess up. It's just not going to happen. And so the key here as we endure these different storms of life is that in the middle of all of the pain and the suffering and the hurt that we strive for faithfulness, not perfection. Paul, quite a life. Quite a life when you investigate him and read about him in scripture and in history. He really was an amazing individual. And Nero. What do we know about Nero? Well, Nero became frightened, discouraged, 
depressed, and at age 29, he killed himself. I may be wrong, but I don't think there are any St. Nero cathedrals around the world. I could be wrong, but I don't think there are. Yet there's a lot of St. Paul cathedrals and churches. I could be wrong, but I don't think a lot of parents name their young sons Nero. I don't think they do that. Yet a lot of people are named Paul, and we probably have a few of them in the room right now. It's a good name. So, who had the greatest impact in the world? Again, back in the day, they would have said Nero, but when you investigate what happened through both of their lives, I think the conclusion is, Paul is the one still having impact because he was a carrier of the gospel, the good news about Jesus' life and death and burial and resurrection for all who believe. What about my story? What do I do with all of this information about Nero and Paul, this great individual? Well, I just have one takeaway today, and that is we need to act on the three principles that come from Paul's life. And I want each and every one of us to be thinking about this. Let's act on the three principles from his life. Anchor your life to a hope out of this world. Trust God in the turns. And strive for faithfulness. As a result... Your life will be a story of helping others. So are you feeling good right now? Are you achieving, successful, winning in life? That's great. Let your life be a story of grace. Maybe you're here and you're not winning. And you're discouraged. Maybe you're even worn out physically and your body maybe is shutting down on you like the Apostle Paul because of your life situation, then let your life, in spite of all of that, be a story of grace. And I think when we do that, when we live out the principles, these storm-surviving principles from the life of Paul, I think our life and our story will be something that helps others. God, we step into your presence right now and we're grateful for some time to look at the Apostle Paul. What an amazing individual in history and scripture. There is so much that we can take away from his life. He's an individual who started out kind of against God, but yet you transformed him, you changed him, and the whole pattern of his life moved in a new direction, and he became a carrier of the gospel. God, and through all the storms in his life, you used his story to be a life and a narrative of grace. God, I pray that you do the same with me and through each and every person here. God, challenge us to act on the principles that come from the life of Paul. As we worship you now, as we respond to your greatness, bless us and encourage us, we do pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.